It is uh, a privilege for me to be here with you all this morning, uh, my Bethel family. Um, we love you guys tremendously, um, and it is uh, not by happenstance that I find my way here this morning, um, but through relationships that I find myself here this morning. And so your pastor, uh, Pastor Chris, is one of my dear friends, and uh, I'm thankful to the Lord that I get the opportunity to fill this space um, for him and to, to preach while he's out on his uh, well-deserved sabbatical. And so, uh, admittedly, though, this morning, my, my heart is heavy. Uh, my heart is filled with angst and anxiety, uh, trepidation, fear, concern for um, the city that I love that God has given me a supernatural love for, the city of Wilmington, Delaware, um, and many cities like it across the United States who uh, have experienced over the past few days um, significant protesting and rioting happening um, in those cities. And rightly so, because of the condition of the systemic racism in our country that has perpetuated the need for uh, what I call appropriate protesting. Now, it's difficult to align with that because some of the things that are happening along those lines are a bit unproductive towards the greater cause of seeking justice that we so long for, as Pastor Tyler read from Amos. Um, but I don't want us to jump too quickly into judgment around these things because the reality for many of us is that we are all prone to looting and rioting. Our hearts are constantly pointed in that direction when given the opportunity. And so I want us to understand clearly that the Christian life is based around the principal need for having nuance in our decision-making, for having nuance in our thinking. We don't get to be either or, we have to be both and. And so I want to encourage you just parenthetically this morning that you would have a nuance of spirit as it relates to the things that are happening. Many people are hurting. I, I have members of my church who live right along Market Street and who were witnessing exactly what was going on as people were entering into stores and taking goods from those stores and breaking into various places, and, I, and they witnessed these things occurring. But the reality is, is that a lot of us are hurting, a lot of us are in pain this morning, and if we are going to be to, to be corrected by the gospel this morning, then we have to understand that healing only comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we look towards understanding this great hope, I don't want us to get on one side or the other and say that this is wrong or this is right, but I want us to see justice from the perspective that Jesus sees it. Many people right now who are upset about the looting that happens, they participated in looting themselves. Many of them partook in the open coffers of the 
payroll protection plan that just opened up a doorway for people to have access to free money and they ran and they looted the corporate coffers and no one looks at those things and it's people who have the opportunity to receive those funds, they receive those funds at an astronomically higher rate than black and brown people who own businesses. And so there are some systemic issues that are going on, but we must be cognizant and careful to approach it through the lens of the gospel. And so you guys have been in this series, Christ Overall, and if it's Christ Overall, then we must answer a few questions, and we must answer a question that I'm going to point us to today uh, in the passage that I've been given to preach from, first Col- from Colossians chapter 1. Uh, I want to ask this question of us is, what lens do we serve from? When we look at our lives, when we look at everything that's going on around us, when we look at the challenges and difficulties that we experience in this life, as we're looking directly at this global pandemic and how many lives have been taken, over 100,000 lives at this point, when we look directly at the difficulties that our lives are gripped with right now, with with, with the protesting and the, the, the social injustices that are happening, all over the globe, how do we, as the people of God, serve? And so if you've got your Bibles, I I ask that you would turn with me this morning to Colossians chapter 1, and I'll be in verse 24 through 29. And I want to tag this message today as you got served. Paul writes here to the Colossians, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, that is the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, who is Christ. And he is in you the hope of glory. We need hope right now more than anything. So we proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ Jesus. I labor for this, striving with his strength and works powerfully within me. I want to submit this idea to you this morning as it relates to service in the kingdom of God, as it relates to the giving up of your life for the sake of someone else, as it relates to you seeking the interests of others over yourselves, I wanna submit this idea is that you have to serve what you've been served. See, many of us, as we navigate throughout the Christian life, we oftentimes 
hit peaks and valleys and, and we forget whether we get too high up or we get too low down. We forget that it is Christ who modeled for us through his suffering for us how we ought to serve one another. Paul here, he tells us, he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Paul is letting us know this idea clearly is that if you're going to serve, you have to know that your service comes with some suffering. And in the midst of all of the suffering that's taking place right now, people are hurting right now. And, and I don't want to minimize anyone's pain uh, during this time because some people are hurting for, for different reasons on, on separate sides of, uh, of the fence. But I, I want to point you to this reality is that if you are going to serve others, then that's going to come with some suffering. And Paul encourages us to know, he encourages us to let us know. He says, listen, I rejoice in the fact that I get to suffer for you. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Paul is letting us know here, he says, listen, I'm able to rejoice exceedingly and be calmly happy through whatever it is I have to endure for your sake. And many of us are challenged by this idea because we don't want to suffer for ourselves let alone suffer for someone else. See, this idea of suffering, it carries the, the notion of misfortune or calamity. And if you know anything about the life of Paul, he experienced much calamity and misfortune for the sake of the gospel. In 2 Corinthians, he lays out for us in, verse, in chapter 11, he lays out so many things that he experienced, beaten, stoned, uh, whipped with rods and shipwrecked and all the various things that he had to endure. But Paul is encouraging us to know that that service in the kingdom of God has a cost. Many of us would have gone from the faith if when we signed up, we knew this notion that suffering comes with service. Many of us would have walked away if this was one of the qualifying factors for us to, to be able to walk with Jesus is if we knew that we had to suffer. Now, I, I know this can sound like a bit of a guilt trip, but it's not. This sermon is to call us on a trip with the Savior that produces a reward that eclipses our suffering. See, we have to understand this, and as we seek to love on our brothers and sisters, as we seek to love on those who are victims, as we seek to love on those who are not like us, as we seek to love on those who are different from us, as we seek to love those who are in a different socioeconomic bracket than we are, as we seek to love on those who, who are far off from the perspective that we carry about how we should live our lives, we must recognize and know that there is going to be some suffering connected to you serving those people. And, and I want us to, to see this. I want us to, to capture this very clearly. Paul makes it clear in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, he's, after he lists all these things, he says, listen, not to mention the other things, he says, there is this daily pressure on me, which is the concern for all the churches. 
Paul was pointing them to this reality is that his suffering and, and his great concern, he experienced so much pressure because he had concern for the body of Christ. He had concern for those who God had placed his mark upon. He had concern for those who God had called into his family. He had concern for those who God was calling to himself. And if we are to operate in what we say we truly believe, then we must know that God has called us to have great concern for those who he has placed his call upon. We don't know who those people are, so guess what? We just go hard after each and every person that we come across. But here is the power of what Christ is saying here. He's telling us, he's telling us through this passage, he's saying that through your suffering, i.e. your commitment to serve, he says you provide a supplement for anything that is lacking in the gospel message. In other words, what, what, whatever the message of the gospel is unable to communicate based on a person's ability to understand it, he's letting us know that our service and our commitment to reaching out to the least, the last, the lost, and the left out, our commitment to do that it is a supplement for the gospel message. What do I mean by that? And, and what I mean by that is that your faith without works is dead. You can't just talk about wanting to see racial inequality be done away with without surrendering your life or, or committing yourself to some type of suffering in order to see it accomplished. You can't just say that you want to see the gospel go forward and not put your boots on the ground to see the gospel message be spread. When we serve in Christ's church as believers in Jesus, we communicate to unbelievers the full breath of Christ's suffering for them. Because through your service, through your sacrifice, the unbelieving world can get a glimpse of Christ's sacrifice for them. Paul says, he says, I... What I'm completing in my flesh, whatever is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body. The poverty of people's understanding of the gospel message is made complete when we have a commitment to serving outside of the box. The gospel message is made complete when we have a commitment to serving those who we wouldn't necessarily be in contact with on a regular basis. Here's how this conversation will go. Why is it that you live on that side of town, but yet you come and have lunch on this side of town and pay for people's lunches that seem to be struggling? Those kinds of things, those kinds of ideas, they, they help and they aid in the message of the gospel going forward. Why is it you, as a majority culture person, would come and stand with brothers and sisters who are hurting in the midst of a protest? 
Why would you come and serve in the cleanup efforts after the rioting has happened? Why is it that you would come from the other side of town to come and be with the brokenhearted? Those questions stir up our affections. Those questions confuse the world. Said that he would use the foolish things of the world to confuse the wise. And so here in the midst of this, Paul's letting us know, he's letting us know that Christ's afflictions are made clear when we have a commitment to having a suffering service. I need you to know this morning, Bethel, that service in the kingdom of God will cost you something. If service doesn't cost you anything, it's not worth the time that you put into it. If your, if your service doesn't cost you to give up your ideas about safety, if it doesn't cause you to give up your ideas about comfort, if it doesn't cause you to give up your ideas about prosperity, then we've missed the mark of serving what we've been served. Jesus gave up of his ideas of prosperity in heaven to come and live amongst those who had less. God gave up, Jesus gave up his perspective about comfort in heaven to come and live in conditions that were less than comfortable. Jesus gave up his idea of safety to come and to be crucified on a cross for you and me. We've got to serve what we've been served. Next, I want you to know that your service has a secret. Paul goes on in verse 26 to let us know. He says that this mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, which is the church, God wanted to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The secret to your service is linked to this is that through you giving of yourself, through you suffering to see others and, and to suffering the cost of service, through that you get the opportunity to make the hope of glory a reality to the lost. See, this mystery, this thing that was hidden, Paul, he's letting us know that it has been now revealed. And Paul saying, look, the church was a mystery hidden throughout all the ages, but now this mystery is revealed. And Paul is making it clear to us that God's plan has always been to make his plan of inclusion visible and manifested through the church. 
See, the secret of your service is that through your service, through you being the hands and feet of Jesus, through us being the people of God, through us having a nuanced perspective on what it means to, to live in a world where everything is bipartisan and everything is skewed on one side of the other, living in the kingdom of God and the economics of God means that you get to make the manifest glory of God present in our day and time. Paul is letting us know that this church is this unique, mysterious place where all kinds of people come together and they can be one. Whether you're black, white, brown, yellow, blue, whatever color you are, whether you're rich, poor, middle class, whether you live in the suburbs or the city, it doesn't matter. The church is supposed to be this unique, mysterious organism whereby people who are far from one another can become one. We need oneness right now. As the cities around the country have been burning as police departments and targets and businesses have been broken into. What we need now is a oneness that the world can't understand. And how can they know unless they have a teacher? And we as the church are called to teach the culture the difficulty has come in is that we stopped being a teacher and we started being students of the culture. We take whatever the culture says. Instead of injecting the gospel and the great mystery of the church into the culture. So watch this. Your service much further manifests the mysterious vision of God drawing all types of people to himself. That's why your work simply sweeping up is not menial, but it's a magnificent task because you clear the way for God to be able to work. When you smile at a visitor, when you smile and give a hug when this is all over because we're giving bumps right now. But when you smile and hug each other, you get to reveal the message of the gospel. And I'm not talking about something that's not authentic, but I'm talking about having real relationships. A friend of mine asked me, what is it that they could do? And I've gotten so many of those calls this week. And my response to that is the same. Is have real relationships with people who don't look like you. Have real relationships with people who don't vote like you. Have real relationships with people who don't live in the same neighborhood as you do. Because if you have a real relationship with black and brown brothers and sisters, you wouldn't treat them the way that they're treated in our country. More than that, you wouldn't stand for the treatment 
that they have historically received. But the secret of your service is this, is that what God wanted to make known in the earth, he will use you to communicate it. Now, that's such a beautiful reality that the God of the universe, the God who spoke the stars into existence and they came to be, the God who spoke to the oceans and told them, don't go any further than this, the God whose voice is able to have creative power and created everything around us, he would relinquish his voice and place his voice inside of you to be able to communicate to the world his vision and his plans for the world. God doesn't need our voice because his voice has power, but yet he's given his voice and his heart to us to be able to communicate here in this world on his behalf. And that's not something that we should take lightly. That's something that we should hold as an honor and a privilege for us to be able to do. My last idea is this, is that service will strengthen you. Service will strengthen you. Verse 28 again, he says, we proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul says, I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Paul is letting us know that the proclamation of his life is Christ. Many of us spend our lives attempting to proclaim something other than Christ. And, and we don't do it in, in a way that is intentional, but we do it in a way that lacks intention. And so I, I want to challenge us here, I want to challenge us to know that if the proclamation of your life is, has anything to do, anything less than to do with Christ and proclaiming him, then we are missing the mark of what it means to be a Christian. We're missing the call of the gospel. If our lives and our comfort are the only thing that matter to us, then we're missing the message of the gospel. That's why Paul says, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Your maturity in Christ is linked to your ability and desire to serve the needs of others over the needs of yourself. And, and our culture has confused us, it's tricked us into thinking that we've got to establish ourselves before we can help anybody else. It's tricked us into thinking that the pathway forward is to know yourself and to do what's best for you. 
that is antithetical to the gospel. And we are called, we are warned here. He's teaching us with all wisdom so that he might present us mature in Christ. And in so doing, in our service, when we give up of our preferences and our personal desires, when we give up of the things that we think that we're entitled to, we walk in the maturity of Jesus. Paul says, I labor for this. Paul's last admonishment is this to us. He says, if you grow weary and contending to make the name of Jesus through your service most famous on the earth, then you will lack strength. It's, it's agonizing for Paul is what he's saying. He's saying that, that I labor over this. I, I, I strive towards this. And, and, and I do this with the strength that, that, God, that Christ has given to me and that he's working powerfully within me. And, and I labor towards making those mature in Christ. And if you are not committed to laboring, if you are not co committed to striving towards maturity in Christ and dying to yourself and giving up your preferences for somebody else, then you are missing the point. And the point is this. You've got to serve what you've been served. Christ served up everything for us. He gave of his whole life for us. And he did not lack intention in doing that. But from the very beginning, he knew that he had a specific mission, and that was to go to the cross. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And service is the pinnacle of the Christian life. If you aren't serving others, you are not in walking in the image of Jesus Christ. Because that's what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to seek his preferences. He didn't come to have himself be elevated. The only elevation that he knew he would receive was the elevation from the, the, that he would have to deal with on the cross and being a spectacle before people. The elevation we desire gives us praise before people. But if we're going to serve what we've been served, then we've got to know that sometimes in this life, we're going to stand on the principle of Christ and people are going to think we're crazy. We're going to stand and put a, a, a mark in the sand and say that this is what the gospel has to say here and people will ridicule us. And the craziest thing about all of that is that it will be your own people who will ridicule you at times. And Jesus knows that all too well. He had no honor in his own hometown. His own did not receive him. But he knew that it was a cost to his service. He knew that there was a secret 
to his service. And he knew that his service would strengthen us. So I pray that we will walk in that reality today. I pray that we would know that we have a strength that comes from our service. It is him working in us that strengthens us. I want us to know that our service has a secret, that the mysterious message that that was hidden for generations is revealed in us through the glorious wealth of Christ Jesus. And I want us to know that through Christ's sacrifice for us, he modeled for us what service can produce. So Bethel, I'm calling you this morning to give up of yourself and serve others. I'm calling you this morning to put aside your preferences to serve others. I'm calling you to put yourself in a position where you might be ridiculed, to put yourself in a position where you might have to face some challenges for standing on the side of the gospel. But the reward that comes with that is far greater than anything that we can obtain on our own. Father, I pray this morning, God, that you would use us. God, use us powerfully today, God, as we seek to serve you with our lives. And God, we know that we serve you through serving others. You told us that whoever gives one who is thirsty something to drink, that we've done that for you. Whenever we've clothed someone who needed clothing, we we did that for you. So Father, help us in this season, God, to walk in the reality that you are over all. And because you are over all, we can give our lives in the service of others. So, Father, bless us. Be with us today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Blessings to you.